Hi, this is Money Honestly. I'm Jana Heron, and today, Dar Singh, one of the reporters for my team at Yahoo Money and Cache, is joining us. We'll be talking about the homeownership rate for Black Americans. So, Dara, the homeownership rate for all Americans has improved since the Great Recession, but the improvement hasn't been equal for everyone. Is that right? That's totally right. You know, if we're looking at where we're standing first quarter in 2020, we see that white Americans, 73.7% of them own a home, but with black Americans, it's only 44%. And that's like a big gap. That's a 30 percentage um, point difference. That's huge. Yeah, it's like, it's huge. And I, you know, the more I've really talked to everyone, the narrative has been that, we all are starting from the same base, but that's not the case. You know, behind this gap, there's a whole, there's different layers and different factors. So let's talk about some of those factors. What are some of the biggest reasons? Does history play a big part in this? Yes, history does. Believe it or not, ever since the great, well, when the Fair Housing Act started in um, 1968, it outlawed discrimination But even despite that, we see a lot of neighborhoods um, that were redlined really experiencing effects, too. A 2018 study by Zillow found that home values that were redlined years ago, like they were considered a not so great area, they were grown. The values there have grown by 203.1 percent. Usually a lot of these tend to be predominantly um, black American neighborhoods majority, but those non-redline areas grew by 30 percentage points higher. So even if, you know, everything's been outlawed, the effects are still lingering, whether that's with home appraisals, et cetera. And I think a story that really jumps out on the Cache team, we were interviewing someone named Tiffany Leash. She was saying that She just wanted to make sure that her home was appraised fairly. So she was going to, instead of her showing herself the home, she was going to have her white friend show her home. Oh, that's really terrible. And really eye-opening, too, to think that you have to think about that as a Black American. And I'm sure most white homeowners don't think of that. Can you go back a little bit, Thomas? Tell me a little bit more about redlining. For those of us who might not know what that term means, can you explain what that was? So redlining, such as if you want to apply for a mortgage or different types of credit, because you live in a certain area, you're more you're more likely to get a product that's kind of disadvantaged compared to someone who, let's say, comes from a wealthier area. So you might get more opportunities to get more lines of credit. So basically, if a black person before the redlining was outlawed, try to get a mortgage to buy a house and a neighborhood that maybe was predominantly black, they would have a harder time getting that mortgage because lenders didn't want to lend to people who lived in that neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just want to make sure I have it have it right. And then how does that affect now? So like, you know, if there's a black person now whose grandfather couldn't buy a house, how does that affect that person now? Well, it's really interesting to note that For a lot of Americans, home equity is like their greatest source of wealth. So if you don't, if you're, let's say your grandparent has, didn't have a home. So chances are, you know, 
the generations after might not have a home. And so people look to their homes as the biggest source of wealth equity, like 56% of Black Americans look as equity in their home as their source of wealth. That's more than one in two. But for white Americans, that's 30.1%. And, you know, whether you want to take out funds from your home to let's do a home renovation to get the property value higher, whether you need to consolidate debt, you don't, that's one source of wealth you just don't have anymore. Oh, wow. Right. So, Having a home not only is just a roof over your head, but it, it's also a way to build your own wealth and tap into it to build your wealth even more. Yes. And so if my grandfather didn't have access to that, then that has a trickle down effect. So maybe you can't borrow to go to college or something like that against your home. Yeah. And, you know, the thing is, even if you do, let's say you still buy a home in a neighborhood that's predominantly Black American, you know, studies have shown that the value is going to be less. So it's going to be appraised at a less value. And it's shown that nearly fifth of zip codes where the majority of homeowners are Black, like we're talking like Detroit, Atlanta, you know, Chicago, Cleveland, Toledo, home values have really decreased since 2000. So even if you get to the point where you can buy a house, it doesn't mean that it's actually going to help you build your wealth. Exactly. There's a chance that that's not going to happen either. So it becomes, you know, it's a really complex situation and it becomes a point where you couldn't buy a home before and now you can. And, you know, you're living in a predominantly ethnic community that's going to be used against you. And Yeah, so I guess when the 1968 Fair Housing Act was outlawed, it didn't really outlaw, you know, the discrimination people are facing today. Let's move from like the 1960s to say a decade ago to the Great Recession, where that was sparked by a housing crisis and you saw a lot of foreclosures. How did that affect Black homeowners and Black Americans? First of all, to begin with, a lot of the homes that were sold during the housing bubble, through predatory lending, a lot of these ads were targeting African-Americans. And actually, it wasn't until even just a couple of days ago that site that Google, for instance, was just like, we're not going to show these ads that are targeting ethnic communities. So many different banks were targeting these poor communities, knowing that they might have not, while we can't make assumptions, the general, you know, what's going around is really like, a lot of these communities were being targeted. A financial crisis happened. It turned out to be a lot of Black Americans that lost their homes compared to white Americans. And so how have they recovered since then? And then where are we now? So if we look at 2009, quarter two, we see that the Black American homeownership rate is 46.5%. The white homeownership is 74.9%. And then in today's age, Black American home ownership is 44%. We haven't really recovered a lot. A lot of why I guess we haven't recovered from the experts I've talked to is Black Americans are a heavily rent burdened. A study was found that 84% of um, Black Americans who are renters were burdened to an extent that they couldn't even make have four, $400 in their emergency savings. 
So it just goes to show that you're just kind of stuck. So the being rent burden, how does that, can you just explain how that keeps you from, or makes it less likely for you to become a homeowner? So you can't, if you want to buy a home, you have to put down a down payment. Even if you want to take out an FHA loan and a down payment, let's say as low as, you know, like as low as 6%. So you wouldn't, if you don't have money saved up and you put in your savings account, then how are you going to really cough it up for a down payment? You know, when every single month you're worrying about how to meet your monthly expenses, that's going to be your priority. Your priority is not going to be to go and buy that house. It's just getting by day by um, month by month. Right. Right. Okay. I get it. So to get that down payment, you need to have extra cash. And if you don't have extra cash, you can't get that down payment. So you can't buy a house without a little bit of a down payment. Like I think 3.5% is what it is for FHA. What about like credit scores and things like that? Does that disproportionately hurt black Americans? Yeah. So now we're actually in this state where 16.8% of when it comes to black Americans, 16, 16.8% of them are unemployed. And then of the unemployment benefits and then total 13.3% of Americans collectively are unemployed. So basically we're in the stage that because there's so much unemployment, because banks think that people might not be able to pay off their mortgages, they're really increasing their credit requirements. And so we saw banks like JP Morgan and these big firms really raising their credit score requirements and higher. And for someone who let's say is um, in a position where they don't even have $400 saved up and they don't have access to, they might not even want to take out a credit card and such, you know, you have, you're so, you're so burdened with expenses that if you have any debt, then it's going to be harder for you to seem like a good candidate for these banks, for them to lend to you. And a 700 plus credit score is already very high for most Americans. So now, because you can't go into the bank and you can't get that mortgage, you're just stuck waiting. And that's because of what's happening right now because of the pandemic and the shutdowns. We have this high unemployment, so you have that trickle-down effect. And you're saying that you think it's going to disproportionately affect Black Americans. Yes. You know, I talked to, you know, lending tree expert, and he was saying that at the end of the day, it's not... Even if these banks were to lower their credit, loosen the requirements, it's not the government needs to play, you know, really funding those neighborhoods that are in areas that are that are predominantly um, black Americans to really making sure resources go there. So people are getting proper education. So, you know, these home values are going up up and this cycle of, you know, the lack of home access doesn't continue. It's really investing in communities. So that's one of the big solutions is to not, it's not necessarily like make it easier to get a mortgage, but try to improve the situation on the environments and communities that Black Americans live in. Do you, anybody else offer other solutions? Yeah. So 
Yeah. So Skylar Olson, she's the chief economist at Zillow. She was saying that she was saying that it's great that there's a lot of demand side solutions, such as, you know, through FHA um, loans that you were sa- FHA backed loans, you were saying that people can ha- um, only put down 3.5% of a down payment. She was saying that this is all great, but at the end of the day, even if you get one or two people who, I mean, a couple people who, let's say, meet this criteria, if there's not enough affordable homes for sale, then that goes against a lot of the demand side effort. She says a big focus should be on supply side solutions. You know, we're already housing, there's already a housing shortage, but we need more affordable housing. She made that distinction. She was just saying that due to the pandemic, everyone's taking precautions. Like we're taking precautions being in our homes, but even builders are taking precautions. A lot of them are stepping back from building homes just because they need to watch out or watch on the site. And it's really hard when you're in that environment and you can't really build homes and practice social distancing. Right. Okay. Can you tell us a little bit about the housing shortage that's happening? Yeah. So experts are saying that, believe it or not, today, you know, today we actually found out from the MBA that purchase applications for home were at an all-time high, but we're in a stage where housing units are actually short by five to six million. So even if you're interested, there, we're just not at a place where we can provide everyone who's looking for a home, a home to be in. Yeah, I think I think if anyone can take away anything from this podcast, it would be that, you know, there's this false narrative opportunities. And, you know, we have like an expert had told me we have the biggest economy in the world and people think that each of our individual outcomes are just the result of effort we put in. But there is a lot of discrimination that Black Americans and even other minorities are still facing. And to create a more equitable equitable place, experts are saying we do have to look at, you know, we do have to look at how these neighborhoods with predominantly Black Americans are being valued. We need to look at the root of the source. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a really, really good point. Thank you, Dara, for joining us today on Money Honestly. And thanks for everyone listening. Head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and review. We will see you next week. Thank you.